The Delta variant has changed our war with the pandemic. It looks like COVID-19 is here to stay in some capacity, possibly forever. I'm Luke Garrett. And I'm Loris Patalniak. With the constant flux of coronavirus mutations and changing restrictions, it can feel overwhelming trying to keep up. Fortunately, we knew who to ask for an explainer. This week, infectious disease expert Dr. Monica Gandhi joined us to talk about the Delta variant, breakthrough cases, and when the U.S. can expect to see cases go back down. The UC San Francisco professor also said, we may never eradicate COVID-19. And that's not as bad as it sounds. All right, so Dr. Gandhi, this past week, an internal CDC document read that the war has changed. This pandemic that we might have thought was on the outs is kind of on the ins and it's growing. Cases are rising and deaths and hospitalizations are creeping up. So to follow on this war analogy laid out by the CDC, let's start by reviewing what this new enemy is. So what is the Delta variant? Yes, so the Delta variant has changed the war and I'm really sorry about it, by the way. And it's really difficult for people because we were all hoping that things were getting so much better. But what the Delta variant is, is that any variant, you wanna look at three things about it. Transmissibility, has it changed the virulence of the organism or the ability to cause disease and will it evade our vaccines? So to put it simply, this is a very transmissible variant. It gives high viral loads in the nose and mouth. And if you're unvaccinated, that can, of course, lead to severe disease. And if you're vaccinated, luckily, we're still not seeing increased amount of severe disease among the vaccinated, including in a large Provincetown outbreak, which is probably as big as of a stress test as you can give. Mm. Even so, the rate of severe disease among the vaccinated was extremely low, about three hospitalizations and everyone did fine. So it's still protecting us against severe disease, but it also means that it can spread more readily, even to the vaccinated and give mild symptomatic breakthroughs. So that's one part of it that's changed transmissibility. Second, is it more virulent? I don't think anyone knows exactly if it's causing more severe illness. We do know that 99.6 up to 99.9% of the people in the hospital are unvaccinated. So whatever it's doing, it is doing it to the unvaccinated. It could be that you get sick more quickly, though, with all of that viral load. Mm -hmm. The third, is it evading our vaccines? It is not evading our vaccines. The Delta variant is not evading our vaccine. The problem is we must have had and maybe this was our public health messaging, we must have had an idea that you would never even get a mild symptomatic breakthrough with any variant, with any of these viruses. But what we should have reminded people is what they were designed to do, which is preventing severe disease, hospitalization, and death. They're working extremely well. We wouldn't have known about SARS-CoV-2 if it caused mild cold-like symptoms. We knew about it because it's a terrible infection that could send people to the hospital, cause severe disease, and we are still seeing high rates, 96% to 99% of effectiveness and blocking severe disease. So they are not evading our vaccines in that way. That is extremely good to hear because following that analogy, the enemy in the war is the Delta variant. Can you tell us more about the breakthrough cases? I don't mean to overly focus on them because like you say, they are at this point exemptions to the rule, but it just feels like they're cropping up everywhere. It does. And I actually think it's a fair thing to talk about. So mild symptomatic breakthroughs are more common right now. Why are they more common? I actually think there's two reasons. I do think it is partially the Delta variant that it's kind of everywhere. It has a high viral load. So even if I'm vaccinated, if I get it in my nose, 
what happens is I need a little bit of time to fight it. And so I can get a mild symptomatic breakthrough. So it is happening more commonly. But the second reason actually has nothing to do with the Delta variant. Mm-hmm. Other reason it's more common is we are all out further from our vaccines, whether we got it in January, because I'm a healthcare worker, whether you got it on April 19th, when they opened mm-hmm. it up the entire country, we're all further out from our vaccines than we were when the alpha variant was dominant. It is natural for our antibody response to go down with time to a vaccine, because if we kept all those antibodies in our bloodstream from every infection we've seen, we would not be able to even move because our bloodstream would be full of protein. So it's normal for the antibodies to go down in your nose, which is where we fight nasal infection like colds. Luckily, you're not done with antibodies because the vaccines produce memory B cells. What are those? Those are the blueprint to make more antibodies. These memory B cells take two to five days to go out and make those antibodies that they need to do when they see the pathogen again. So you could be getting a mild infection in your nose because your antibodies have gone down and then they bring down that viral load in your nose again and you have an aborted infection. You have a smaller, shorter, more symptomatic cold or flu-like infection, not the severe illness because your T cells, which protect you from severe illness are always there from the vaccine. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a couple of reasons why we're seeing more symptomatic breakthroughs. And it's not all the Delta variant's fault. It has to do with our duration of time since we've had the vaccine. And there are three ways to fix that. One is we can put our mask back on, which is exactly what the CDC did, so that we don't even get exposed to a mild symptomatic breakthrough, even if you're vaccinated indoors, which I think is the right thing to do. The second is we could give a nasal vaccine, which are being developed. And what nasal vaccines do is they just work on the immune response in the nose. And then the third is we could give a booster shot, but likely those booster shots are going to be reserved for the people who get symptomatic severe breakthroughs. And that right now are the immunocompromised and people who are adults with multiple medical conditions who are very elderly. Mm the virus should not be circulating this level. And that's why tracking masks and our interventions with community transmission rates to me has always made sense. And so when the CDC last week put back masks, they didn't say you have to mask in a place that has very low community transmission. They're mm-hmm. linking it to what the virus is doing in your community, how much it's circulating. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're in the greater Washington area and we have yeah. a lot of Same. that level of transmission. Yes. And that it again doesn't mean the vaccines weren't doing what they're supposed to do. I just really want to stress that because you don't have the same hospitalization rate tracking with cases that you did during the summer, spring, and winter surges of 2020. That's the difference is that in places, if we can get our vaccination rates, the cases will go up, but the hospitalizations will not go up at the same level like they used to. Because luckily, it's re- well, not luckily, it's terrible that anyone's unvaccinated going in the hospital but it is that the vaccinated people are really quite protected from severe disease. Mm. So we have the Delta variant surging and we have these vaccines. And before those two came to be, we had some pretty well understood marching orders of how to fight COVID-19, social distancing, capacity limits. What are the new marching orders with the Delta variant? I feel like we're in this new landscape. We are. And I think it's a great, great question to ask because there are three ways to go about it. One is to say completely going by cases, we can go back to capacity limits and keeping people away from each other. Or we could say, well, I'm going to watch hospitalizations because that is what 
we got into trouble to begin with. This is why we did lockdowns. We never would have locked down society for a cold. Never. We locked down society because it caused severe disease. And so tracking hospitalizations and tracking severe disease to decide what you do in a society like Arkansas compared to California, compared to Washington, D.C., tracking hospitalizations is our most important metric. Giving a metric-based approach to me gives people a symbol of when things come down, when they get better, or when the community transmission rate is X, that's when we can take off the masks. And so I like this idea of linking it to a metric. I do think it should be a hospitalization metric. And we've come up with this idea of less than five over 100,000 hospitalizations as calling this particular disease controlled. We came up with that number back in April because that was in a typical flu season. We have about 20 to 40 hospitalizations over 100,000 people, but this is much more deadly. So we went down way down to less than five over 100,000. And that way you get this kind of metric-based nuance way of thinking when you're doing well, you're not. And so I kind of want to push this idea of less than five over 100,000 with adult vaccination is when you're in control. The third and fourth way, because I think this is what the CDC was saying when they said the war has changed, is to think about what Israel's doing and what the UK is doing. Mm. These are places we always have to look to because they started sooner than we did. They started like at least a month sooner than we did. And in the case of Israel, they gave out the vaccine more quickly. And then in the case of the UK, because they did a first dose first strategy, they got more of their vulnerable protected sooner than we did here. So I always have to look to those two countries and say, what are the options that you can do? So look what Israel did. They said, we're not going to close restaurants. We're not going to close businesses. It was destructive for economics, people's livelihoods, and we're going to do what we call a soft suppression strategy. And what they mean is they are masking indoors for vaccinated and unvaccinated, and they have gone back to their vaccine passport system. You really can't get into that restaurant or that bar without your vaccine card or also if you've had natural infection. And are they seeing their rates of vaccination go up among uh, traditionally resistant communities? Yes, they are. Because you have made life very inconvenient with the vaccine passport system. Oh, and then what the UK did is they said, okay, July 19th, we're opening up no matter what. And they did have a lot of cases when they opened up. And then about... A week later, their cases started plummeting. Their cases didn't plummet because they were masking or distancing or capacity limits. Their cases plummeted because what happens with the Delta variant is it will seek out adults who are unvaccinated, who have not yet gotten a chance to vaccinate, and they were giving them natural immunity. You know, some did get hospitalized, some died, the older people, but luckily there were more mild infections in the young. And then, of course, their immunity led to cases plummeting. So I hate the Delta variant, but the one thing is it will give us a lot of natural immunity in this country if people still decline to get vaccinated. It's tragic to get natural immunity through suffering, but probably at least the models are showing us by mid-September to late September, our cases also will plummet as a result of more immunity in those who've chosen not to vaccinate. So where are we? We're kind of doing the Israel approach. We are doing soft suppression. We are masking inside. We are tracking hospitalizations closely. Places that have high hospitalization rates, if I were in charge of those places, I would go back to more capacity limits and so forth, but they're not always doing that. But we're not going to lock down likely the entire country, as Dr. Fauci said, because hospitalizations are going to decide what we do next. Yeah. You mentioned the phrase vaccine passports, which has obviously become very buzzy and used in a lot of ways that I think deviate from what it actually means. Is that different than immunization records? I don't mean to be overly simple, but I can't find the difference. They're really not different. I mean, 
You're right that when we started out, we avoided the P word and the M word, vaccine passports and vaccine mandates. And then what just happened over the last literally three weeks is you cannot get away from the news of saying words like passports and mandates because the passport question is showing your immunization record at the door, which we had to do most traditionally for adults if we were traveling to some area. You had to show an immunization record. The second place that immunization records were used and still used is in children. Um, So can't enroll your child in school unless you've shown that immunization record that they've gotten their vaccines. I mean, look how topical everything's happening. New York and San Francisco both said that bars and restaurants are going to ask for vaccine records. So it makes life inconvenient, like smoking. It used to be really inconvenient when we started thinking about smoking sections, not being able to smoke in a restaurant. I know it was kind of stick-based messaging, which is not something I love to use, but it was very effective, actually. Same thing here. In this case, it's saying, yeah, you can't go to that restaurant unless you show me that you've been vaccinated because I want my patrons to feel comfortable in this restaurant. So kind of back to this war analogy that we've been touching on, hitting on, are the stakes really that high? It's quite an analogy to make. And what, what really are the stakes if we don't get this right? You know, I actually took two things from that. Number one, there's no doubt that the stakes are high because any death that occurs from a preventable illness is very tragic. And you could say, well, people are choosing not to be vaccinated, but that's also because we have misinformation. There are people who genuinely are scared to get vaccinated and working on that to the extent possible. Anything we can do to get vaccination rates up is really important. So there is a warlike analogy because we're exhausted and it's 18 months later and it's still going on. On the other hand, what I saw from those slides is that we're not going to eliminate SARS-CoV-2 infectious disease. Eradication means you see no cases at all in the world. And remember, we have only eradicated one infection ever, ever, which is smallpox. We have eliminated some, but not much. Most infectious diseases we actually live with, and that's in the concept of control. What I saw from those slides is that this is so transmissible, it's going to become what's called endemic, but we can still control it. And living with a controlled virus is actually, believe it or not, very manageable. So how do we live with a virus that's under control? Number one is that we get as many people vaccinated as we can because what we can't tolerate is severe illness and death. That is what's the incredible push to get people vaccinated. So that's to defang the virus and bring it back to the kind of coronavirus that we already have with four other cold coronaviruses that are circulating where it doesn't become deadly, it's just a seasonal respiratory virus that we will learn to live with. The other element of control is there are always gonna be people in a vaccine preventable illness like measles who still decline to be vaccinated. There are communities who said, I'm not gonna vaccinate for religious reasons or others. And then there will be outbreaks in those populations. And those outbreaks will be managed by three strategies. One is running in, keeping outbreak management, keeping people away from each other. Second is ring vaccination, hoping that people will take the vaccine to get them to not get severe disease. And the third is treatment. And what this also taught me is that treatment for coronavirus, and I know Congress just about two months ago gave $3 billion to treatment. Treatment is going to be an ongoing part of my life as an infectious disease doctor for those who decline to get the vaccine if there are outbreaks. And there are treatments on the horizon. So what that war analogy meant to me is that now we're going to live with it, but it still doesn't mean that we can tolerate severe disease 
and that we will get into an outbreak control seasonal respiratory virus situation, but that we likely will not eliminate it. But that does not mean that it has to close down society. It does not mean that we're ever going to be this miserable again in the future because we're miserable right now, but we're not going to be once we get our vaccination rates up. That is surprisingly optimistic. It is. The reason I feel it's optimistic is I'm an infectious disease doctor and I have seen measles throughout my entire career. But do you think about measles very much? You don't, right? Um, But right now, COVID is your problem as a member of the public. We want to get to a point where COVID becomes the problem of the infectious disease doctor, but it doesn't shut down society. It doesn't become a problem where people are opening the paper every day and looking at case counts in their region. We want to get to that element of control. I think we have to change our expectation away from zero COVID. Don't think we're going to get to elimination. But living with a virus in a controlled state is very manageable for the world. The CDC now reports that every state in the U.S. has either high or substantial COVID-19 transmission. That includes the district and its surrounding counties in Maryland and Virginia. On ABC This Sunday, NIH Director Dr. Francis Collins said that vaccines remain effective against all known variants out there and are essential to fighting severe disease. Most of the cases, of course, now in unvaccinated people, almost all of the deaths are unvaccinated people, including children. The largest number of children so far in the whole pandemic right now are in the hospital. 1,450 kids in the hospital from COVID-19. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Laura Spitalniak. And me, Luke Garrett. Our cover art was created by cartoonist Audrey Garrett, and our music is courtesy of Loxby. Join us next Monday as the world reopens.